0: You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good morning, City Church. How great to hear from our missionary families around the world uh, who have moved their lives full-time to the nations to bring the good news of the gospel. People who haven't heard, who need to hear the truth. So please uh, keep praying for them as they spread the message of God's love through Jesus Christ as representatives of our church, ambassadors of Christ into the world. It always means a lot to me to hear from our missionaries and to see them. And I hope that regularly they are on your minds prayerfully because we want to be a church that continues to send to the nations. When our church members actually agree to do that and receive the call to do that, we want to be their biggest supporters and advocates, especially through prayer. And I know they really covet that a lot. I'm also really thankful this is our last week of me preaching to an empty room. uh, So I can't wait to see people back here next Sunday. Uh, Yes, we'll continue to have a broadcast of our campus for those uh, who aren't able to come back or not quite ready to come back, Uh, but we hope for those who are healthy uh, that you'll be here, ready to go, and that we'll be able to resume gathering together with a lot of joy uh, because it's been almost a quarter of a year we've been apart. It's time to bring the church back together, and I'm excited on Father's Day next Sunday uh, that we'll be able to resume our services at Sessions Road at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We're going to start a new series that day, and I'm looking forward so much uh, to being together. This is our last week of our series, Foolish Joy, where we've been talking about how the joy, despite our circumstances that we have in our lives, uh, that it should be viewed as foolishness to the world, uh, because it's not based on circumstances. It's based on God's love for us, his plan for us, his promises, our security in Christ. All of those things doesn't always cause us to be happy, we're not saying that, but does allow us to have joy and peace in our hearts, and it should look like foolishness to the world, who oftentimes their joy, their happiness, whatever word you want to use, is very much linked to how things are going in their life, very much linked to circumstances, not for the Christian. We have a bigger purpose, we have a bigger understanding of actual promise of God to cling to that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. I've heard it said before there's actually five gospels, uh, not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, but that the fifth gospel is your life, like, as a Christian, the fifth gospel is your life. That doesn't mean that we have the same, I be clear on that, it does not mean we have the same authority or anywhere near that as the go- actual gospels of the Bible. It does not mean that we are inspired scripture, I'm not saying that at all, but the gospels tell the story of Jesus, of his life, of his ministry, and as Christians, we're called to tell the exact same story with our lives of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how he is the one who brings us foolish joy. So Paul, we've been in the book of Philippians where Paul wrote from prison uh, and really expressed his joy in Christ despite his hardships and his circumstances to the church in Philippi. We've been kind of going through different pieces of it, not actually through the whole book, Uh, but I mentioned this last week and just read through it briefly, but I want to focus in on it today, Uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, and here's what Paul writes again from prison to the church to the Christians to encourage them in their faith. He says, "'Therefore, my dear friends,' just as you have always obeyed, obeyed Christ, lived for Jesus, so now, so past faithfulness, let's have present faithfulness, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. Don't just do it because I'm there. Don't do it to impress somebody else. He says, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he's not saying you have to work to earn your salvation. Our salvation is given by grace, it is through faith, it is the work of Jesus, not ourselves, but now we're called to work that salvation out, meaning we're supposed to live it out, and that we're supposed to be people who are obeying God's word because of our salvation, because we've been made new. He says, for it's God who is working in you, so that's good news, that it's not up to us, God's working in us, in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose, So our working out our salvation with fear and trembling is really just living the work that God is doing inside of us to allow us to live out his will and his purpose. And then he gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what God's will is for us, especially in our suffering or our pain. He says this in verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that, there's a point to it, it's not random. You may be blameless and pure, children of God, that's who we are, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ I didn't run or labor for nothing. None of this life was pointless. There really was a purpose to all of it. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. I know without a shadow of a doubt, my life has had purpose. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. See, we want to have foolish joy for the sake of the world, for the sake of our gospel mission, for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of Jesus' love being made known to everyone. Like the big picture of this whole series kind of coming together of why we want to be people who have foolish joy is for the sake of others knowing that Jesus Christ is king that he really actually is Lord. So the first thing he tells them again is to work out your salvation, to act like children of God, he says, to act like people who have a different allegiance, a different loyalty, who are part of a new family. And now because of that, we're just now shine like stars. There's a point to all that. It. It's not just obedience for obedience sake, even that would be good enough if a holy God calls people he's redeemed to obedience, that would be enough for us, but it's even a bigger picture. It's for his gospel to make his name known, shine like stars, he says. Now, I'm from Fort Lauderdale originally. Uh, I grew up in Tallahassee, but I was born in Fort Lauderdale and lived as a kind of younger elementary uh, school kid in Fort Lauderdale. And one thing about growing up in South Florida, because there's so many people and so many bright lights everywhere, you never really actually see stars. Like if you walk out of your front yard or out of your front door into your front yard at night and look up in the sky, you're just going to see lights. Like you're actually never, if ever, going to actually see stars. You have to get in a much more unpopulated area, maybe out to the Everglades, to be able to actually see stars shine. Why? Because there's competing lights all around that aren't actual natural lights; they're man-made lights. Well, let me move to Tallahassee in 1990. We moved to Clarn Lakes. And at the time, Clarn Lakes was not very populated at all. Lots of empty lots, really kind of felt like you were in the country, uh, really kind of in the middle of nowhere, especially uh, if you moved from Fort Lauderdale like we did. Like we actually thought we moved to the mountains when we first came here, uh, from being in a flat place, lots of lights, to woods in Clarn Lakes. Again, about half the houses that are there now in our community. And when we walked outside that first night, stars everywhere. No fake lights, to, man-made lights to compete with. So it was almost like it wasn't the first time ever we had seen stars, but it kind of felt like it. And we just kind of looked up and went, wow, Like, look at, look at all these stars, how amazing. We might as well have been sitting in North Carolina uh, on the Blue Ridge Parkway somewhere at night looking up at the sky. But the reality is we don't have the luxury as Christians of shining our light out in the middle of nowhere with no competing man-made lights to actually interfere with our lights shining as stars. The Christian calling is to take these stars, these lights, and to shine them right where all the competing fake lights are happening. Like right actually in the middle of where all the lights of the city are trying to interfere with the shining of our light. Not to go out in the middle of the country, and to shine our lives by ourselves, but to shine exactly where life and where people are actually living. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. This is the ex- expectation. This is who we are. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. Maybe the song you sang as a kid or heard as a kid, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This is where that comes from. He says, in the same way, let your light, like your personal light as a Christian, shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And he does call the people to shine as stars in, he actually uses the words, a crooked and perverted world, a crooked and perverted generation. Think about our world right now. Our world calls evil good. The things that God says are not of his will, not of his word. Our culture celebrates. And our you-do-you culture, it is nothing more than a crooked and perverted generation. But God doesn't say to leave it behind. God doesn't even say to judge it. God doesn't say to abandon it. God doesn't say to go out into the country and shine your star by yourself. He says, no, shine like stars in this world, like in this crooked generation. And then he tells us how to do it first thing we're told is that we need to suffer well, to suffer well. Not like Israel is why he's using this whole do it without grumbling and complaining. Because Israel, even though they had seen God do so many mighty works, they always complained throughout their story. They always wondered where was God, they always, basically kind of their way of talking back to him in a snarky, in a negative way, in a hopeless way. And he's basically telling the church here, don't be like them. You're to suffer well. He's not saying we should never be sad. He's not saying we should never speak up to injustices. That's not what he's saying. He says we're to live our lives not like Israel did, but to do what they didn't do and to trust God and to shine our lights in a perverted generation, in a wicked generation, in a world that is not of God, in a crooked world, as the scripture says. Israel didn't do a great job of that. That was their calling, that was their purpose to be a distinct nation that pointed people to a distinct God, and now he's telling the church that we're to be what they actually never ultimately could figure out how to be. And part of that is to actually suffer well, to not waste the circumstances in your life. To be able to look for joy even though things aren't going exactly as you had wanted them to. And the second thing he says is to hold to the word, to hold to the word of life. People who are about the Bible. If we're going to be people who are not of this world, then our allegiance must be to a different story. God's story, God's will, his scriptures. And I worry sometimes that, that people have kind of gotten bored with the Bible. They've kind of gotten bored with doctrine. And that has to be what we lay our entire lives upon are those things because we are people of a different story. There's a reason why Paul spent so much of his letter correcting the church. He even named false teachers. He actually named them by name. People hate that nowadays, think it's divisive. And Paul's saying, no, it's actually the opposite. It's for the unity of the church because the unity is not random. It's actually around the word. We're to hold to it. Why? Because we want to shine like stars. And if we're going to shine like stars, we have to get the gospel right. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly, eagerly wait for a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not people of the scriptures, if we're not people who are holding to the word of life, we're never gonna eagerly wait for heaven. We're not gonna want Jesus to come back because we're gonna believe this world is what it is. Like, this is the good stuff. Like, this is the ultimate. This is what is. Like, this, this really here is the ultimate priority. But no, we're, we're people of a different land. But while we're people of a different land and a different world, we're shining here where God has placed us in the meantime. So a common question that gets asked is, what is my purpose? Like, what's God's purpose for me? And in verse 17, he says, I didn't labor for nothing. Like, your purpose to be part of God's mission, to suffer well, to hold true to the word, to shine like stars in a perverted and crooked generation. Like, that is your purpose. And what an amazing purpose that is, that God wants you to live a distinct life that points to him, to open your mouth and proclaim the good news of the gospel, the hope that has set you free We don't just think Jesus was the inspirational teacher. We believe that he actually is the Messiah, who he is the one ultimately who did suffer. He suffered for us, for the glory of God. He rose from the grave three days later, proving once and for all he was the one he claimed to be. And because of that, we can now have a certain hope and have joy that we are his people and we're a part of a different story. The blood of Jesus that was shed for us is now what compels us to deny ourselves and to live for him. Ligon Duncan said this, do you understand that God in the Bible tells us that his purpose is to one day sum up everything under the headship of Jesus Christ? Like that is the business of God. And you know that God, he gets, and he says this, do you know what God's strategy to do that actually is? He says, okay, here it is. It's the church. The local church is his strategy for doing that. He intends by gathering together men and women and boys and girls from every tribe and tongue and people and nation into his family, his house, his church, to bring all things in a subjection to Jesus Christ. But do you know what his strategy for us living out a witness to the world is? It's the local congregation. It's the organized people of God in individual churches. It is the local church. It's the congregation living, as Duncan says, in biblical fidelity and faithfulness to the Bible, living together in mutual love, accountability, living out his gospel. This is his plan for his witness and mission to the world, and there is no plan B. There is no plan B. His plan for bringing all things under the lordship and headship of Christ is for us to do that congregationally, what Israel could never do, and shine as the stars they're supposed to. And what that means is the most important thing for the future course of world history and American history and your family's history and Tallahassee's history is not what will happen in Washington, D.C., as important as that is. It's not what will happen in the state capitol downtown at Appalachie Parkway in South Monroe, as important as that is. It's not what happens in City Hall, as much as that does matter. The most important thing for the history of the world is what's going to happen in this room next Sunday when we all come back together. Not just our church, but churches all around the world. Do you know how diverse the church is? All around the world there are Christians who gather together of different tribes and tongues and nations. There are more churches that gather across the world that don't speak English, and there are those who do. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. They're in, they're in cells. They're out in, in ma- major cosmopolitan international cities. I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're everywhere, all over the world. What happens in this room has more significance than what happens in D.C., the Capitol, or City Hall. Also in our homes, where we set the tone for the good news being shared in an atmosphere of grace and a point to Christ, we need to be used by God to be his witnesses to a watching world of the salvation of sinners that only comes through Jesus Christ. So we want to suffer well that foolish joy. We want to be people of the Bible, which also is viewed as being foolish because the world's wisdom mocks that and laughs at that. But we point to a different way because we are of a different way. So Paul's call from prison to the church was you need to be different in a crooked and perverted generation. That everything about you, from your sexual ethics to your source of truth, to what brings you joy, like all of it, everything, is subject under Christ. Like we actually do go by different rules because we're citizens of a different land and a different kingdom. But in the meantime, we're not to be these nice little stars out in the country that you can look out for your pickup truck with some music playing and roast some marshmallows. That's good and fun. That's not God's will for his people in terms of how they're to shine. The stars are to be right smack in the middle of the competing artificial lights around it, pointing to something else. And that is Jesus. We can't do that if we don't hold to the word and learn how to suffer well with foolish joy. I can't wait to come back together next week starting a new series that I hope can be very encouraging to you. I just want to celebrate Jesus, what he's done for us, what it means for us, and I'm just really pumped to all gather again together. So please keep praying for our missionaries. Pray for our church, the churches in our city. As churches are starting to come back together and get rolling again, it's time to bring the church back, and I can't wait to be a part of it. So let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. Lord, I ask you help us to shine like stars. You, You must work in us for us to do anything of eternal value. So we depend on you and ask that you will direct us and fill us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling as your children so we won't look like this crooked and perverted generation but will shine like stars in it letting our light shines so not they see us so they see you and believe in you and your good news help us be people who are of your word and people who carry out your will in our lives by not doing things with complaining or arguing but with hope faith in who you are and what you've done. We pray for our nation as it continues to hurt. We pray for healing in terms of what's happening in our country regarding race and regarding politics and being divided. And Lord, we just, we just depend on you for these things. We are helpless on our own, obviously. On our own, what the world is doing right now is what the world will be. But we know that with you, things are different as we are citizens of a different world. In the name of Jesus, we confidently pray this. Amen. See you all next week.